The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. I'm not worthy of that introduction. Um, I only, I'm only here by the grace of God. Every accomplishment in my life is only by the grace of God. If you get to know me, you'd realize that I'm dependent on the grace of God for every minute of my life, and I'm thankful for his faithfulness to me. God is doing amazing things. God is doing amazing things right now. And I I don't know where you're at and what you're thinking, what your role is, but 2020 has been an incredibly powerful year where God has moved in miraculous ways, in ways that we never dreamed were possible. So what do we do? How do we live? What do we do now? in 2020? Where do we find wisdom? Where do we get our guidance? May I suggest that we start off with Jesus and hear directly from him? May I suggest that we look at the Sermon on the Mount? It's long, and we usually take it in pieces. But I want you to see how God designed us and how he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our human nature. He knows how we lean, and he gives us direct directions on how he wants us to live. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We follow Jesus Christ. We operate by different rules. We should not be living like the world. And it's so tough because the world is so distracting. But the word of God is clear. And we have to obey the word of God if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you, worship team, for reading the the second half of the Sermon of the Mount, we're going to get there. You know the Sermon of the Mount. I'd encourage you to read it for yourself, because I'm certainly not going to do it justice today. But I want to put it on your radar, not for homework, not as an assignment, but as an opportunity to write yourself, to write your path in the path that Jesus Christ commanded. Do you want to be relevant to the Lord? Read his word, not for homework, but because you need it for your life. You need it for eternity. Matthew 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you take a look at the beginning of Matthew 5, Jesus is shocking the listeners. He's talking about an intimacy with God that's pretty unfamiliar at the time. We take God a little for granted now, I'm afraid. But he's explaining a new way to live, a new way to relate to God. I don't know when was the last time you read the Beatitudes. They don't really reflect popular values of our culture. Our culture talks about pride and confidence and and ego. Our culture talks about getting what's yours, getting some me time. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do here. He's asking us to be contemplative. He's asking us to be thoughtful. He's asking us to be humble. He's asking for us to put others before ourselves. He knows we're not going to be perfect, but he asks us. He asks us to pursue being pure in heart. He asks us to be merciful. He asks us to thirst for righteousness, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, so we might be satisfied. Jesus Christ asks us to be peacemakers. He asks us to be prepared for hard times, that persecution will come. And in the midst of being persecuted, he wants us to rejoice and be glad because we are not part of the world's economy. We are part of Jesus' economy. We're part of a set of different rules. We know that this is not our world. 
We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be salt that gives taste and preserves. We're supposed to be the light of the world. You're supposed to be living cairns of God, monuments to God, not monuments to the world. Your generation is at an incredible time. We are seeing incredible movement in our world. What will you do? How will you live? What choices will you make? God knows us so well in these passages. You take a look at, Ma at Matthew 5. He just goes through and he knows what we're all about. He knows we get angry. He calls us out. He knows us. But does he really know us? I mean, he knows. He created us. He knows our patterns. But have you really shared your heart with God? Have you made yourself vulnerable? I mean, he knows in Matthew 5 that we're prone to anger. He knows we're prone to lust. He sees what comes on our Instagram, our Snapchat, our TikTok, our Pinterest. He sees our lust. He knows that in 2020 we struggle with divorce. He knows that we're in a culture that will retaliate. We're in a city that's famous for retaliation. In Matthew 5:38, you see the eye for an eye. Thank you, worship team, for reading these passages. And you see very clearly that we, our nature, would want to get revenge when someone wrongs us. And yet we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. We're caught up in pursuing human power. My students know I want them to learn how to defend themselves and defend the weak. But we're not supposed to hurt others. I know we have a culture that's armed to the teeth. Are we going to hurt people? Or are we going to love as God commanded? It continues on from telling us, look, I know you want to get revenge. You want to hurt people that you think are against you. Our battle is not flesh against the flesh and blood, people. We then move into chapter 6, and we look at what the Word of God says, and it begins to talk about how we want to show off and practice our righteousness in public. We want to show off. And I think God knew that in 2020, we need special attention on this. Because here this showing off is like, look, look at me. I'm sounding a trumpet about how I give to people and help people. It's like, look, I post online and I want you to tell me I'm beautiful. I want you to recognize my works. Do you see me posting, crying out for your attention and your recognition? And Jesus is saying, come on. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what, is, what your right hand is doing. 
so that your giving may be in secret. What you serve, what you do to serve the Lord should be in secret according to Jesus. We shouldn't be broadcasting what we do for the Lord because he already knows. And he wants us to tell him our secrets. He doesn't want us to be showing off. And yet our culture wants us to get so caught up in ourselves and get caught up in others. When the Bible's very clear, mind your own business. And instead of obeying the commands of God, we're busy worrying about what others, what others think of us. Praying. I know we need to be using technology for, for the Lord, but so often we get so caught up in our need for recognition. How, look how awesome I am at worshiping and praying. Jesus is very clear that truly, truly, I say to you, you already have your reward when you pray like the hypocrites, when you stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so others might see you. Look at what I'm doing for Jesus, everybody. Going to send me some likes? Really? Is that what the Lord wants? The Lord says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. The fa your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Lord knows what we do to serve Him. We don't need to tell others and show off. He makes it very clear. He wants to hear directly from us. He wants to hear our secrets. He wants us to share our hearts with him. He wants to really know you individually. He wants to know your heart. I know we pursue passionately knowing God, but often we just gather intellectual knowledge. But does he know your heart? Does he know your pains? tough. Then he tells us how to pray. He tells us how to pray, and he says in verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Have we been forgiving of others? Have we held bitterness toward our brothers and sisters? Have we forgotten that we're supposed to live differently? Or are we carrying bitterness? We go into fasting. And we pursue this we, you know, we, we, we want God to see, look, Lord, look at all that I'm doing for you. Look, I'm fasting. I want everyone to know I'm fasting. Again, Jesus is like, look, wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Look, I want you all to know that I'm, I'm on a fast, and I'm trying to get God's voice 
I'm trying to hear God's voice. No, keep it to yourself. God, again, you, you have something you're asking God for. You, you, you want to get his attention. You want to show him you're serious. Keep it to yourself. You have deep needs that you're begging for mercy for. Keep it to yourself. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. God wants to know you that well. Is there something that serious that you need to fast? Well, then tell your father who is in heaven, who knows all your secrets. Stop keeping it to yourself. I want you to see the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Do you see? Three times in a row, he wants to see, he wants to hear our secrets. He can see our secrets. Do you think that's by accident? There's an intimacy that God wants to have with you. And you're busy telling the internet your secrets. When God wants to hear your secrets, when God wants to hear your prayers, when Jesus is just like, come on, I want to hear your heart. I want you to talk to me. Stop putting it out there to the world. Stop showing off. So what do we do, human beings? We get super into it. What do we do? We pursue, we pursue gathering things on earth. We want to be preppers. Okay, Lord, you want us to keep, want to know our secrets? Fine, so let's be preppers. Let's gather as much so we're self-reliant. Everyone knows I'm more prepared than the average person. But my faith cannot be in my gear. My faith has to be in Jesus. My faith has to be in Jesus because material things will go away. And then it just continues on. God knows. God knows that we get anxious. Anyone anxious these days? Jesus isn't surprised. He made us, He knows we get anxious. And then right after that anxiety, he makes it very clear, look, I will take care of you. I will take care of you, and you don't have to be anxious. And then beginning of chapter 7, the chapter breaks are artificial. You know that, right? This is one sermon. It's flowing. We just have the chapters and the verses so we can kind of keep up. But chapter 7, he goes right into like, look, do not pronounce judgment, for the measure you use it will be measured to you. Don't look at your brothers and sisters with some bias and assumption of wrong. Have we ever done that? Do we look at people and come to conclusions? If you were in my class, I'd show you the medical model history of Sigmund Freud and how we began to pronounce judgment and diagnose each other. The Bible's not talking about Sigmund Freud, it's talking about us talking about how we judge people. It's a natural thing. But do we do it with a deep level of negativity and condemnation? Do we look at each other and come to conclusions about each other in ways that are just not fair? I say yes, we do. We rate everyone on a 10 scale. We, we profile people. We watch enough crime shows to try to be profilers about each other. You don't know the heart wounds of your brothers and sisters. 
You don't know what pain they've suffered. How dare you judge them? The Bible's very clear. Very clear. Before you look at someone else's speck in their eye, check out your log. Check out yourself. Check out how deep, deep in the hole you are in your own life, in your own sin. We have to live differently, brethren. We have to look at each other with mercy and grace. We have to look at ourselves and be honest about our prejudices, about our assumptions. And we've got to stop looking at others with deep, painful eyes and begin to get before our Father on our knees and look at ourselves and look at the logs in our own eyes. Because what does God say? He says, look, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. It takes incredible humility to ask for help, Americans especially. We don't like to ask for help. God's saying, look, I want you to ask me. On our mission statement for social work, we say, one of the things you'll gain is wisdom. And I tell all my students, you don't gain wisdom from your professors. You gain wisdom from God. You have to ask him for it. You want help with the way you look at others, with the way you judge others, with the way you're selfish, with the way that you love money, the way you put money ahead of other people created in the image of God. You have to ask for help. You have to ask God to change you. You have to read the Sermon of the Mount and ask God for help to transform your heart and your mind. And you look at other people and you're like, man, I'm just so oppressed. People are not nice to me. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of, and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Act first. You worried about abortion? You worried about the babies? Well, then go. Help some single mothers. Stop sitting around. The poor are women and children in the world. Take action. Stop waiting for someone else to do something. It's time. God makes it very clear. Beware of false prophets. There's evil lurking to distract us. And be careful because you see this passage. It's probably one of the scariest passages in the Bible. Look, I did all these things in your name, and, you, and, and like, don't you see me, Jesus? And he says, look, depart from me. I don't even know you. Well, this is my plea for you. Pray in secret. Worship in secret. Fast in secret. Ask God for help. Ask him, Lord, I want you to know me. Tell him your problems. Tell him your anxieties. Tell him your fears. Be like, be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. 
Obey his commands. Obey the word of God. Read the Sermon of the Mount. Do it prayerfully, submittedly. Ask God for mercy. Help him to teach you and change you in the way this passage commands so that when you face the Lord, he knows you and you know him. Talk with him every minute you can. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, I pray for this care and community. We are distracted, Lord, but you are present. We don't have to fear because you are God and your will will be done no matter what we do. And so I pray, Lord, that you might be faithful, that we might be submitted. Lord, I pray that you might give us the privilege of being used in powerful, miraculous ways to do your will. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.